0: Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. Thank you for joining me for another wonderful, inspiring conversation that I have planned for you today. If you are listening for the very first time, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here, and I hope you'll be joining me every week. The Love Code is really um, an amazing opportunity, I would say, to stay inspired, to be able to uh, access the truth about who we are, about these times, about the fact that we are amazing beings that are unfolding into our divine nature. And I think that's the most important thing that we want to remember at this moment in time at any moment in time, really, who we really are and the potential we have to transform our lives, to heal our lives, to be in a place where we experience life through the lens and the experience of love, gratitude, joy, and to heal. So you are here and you are participating in this amazing experience that happens every Saturday. We bring some light and love into your life. And by the way, if you are listening for the first time, you can get my archive shows. You can get them on my Facebook page, which happens to be What Women Must Know, because What Women Must Know is the name of the other program I do on Progressive Radio Network. So if you want to like me at What Women Must Know, you'll get the archives, or you can opt into my website, which is Dr. Cheryl Feldman that's D-R Cheryl Feldman or you can go to Podbean, or you can go to Spotify, uh, and many other platforms. So however you do that, I trust you'll be listening on a regular basis. And today we have uh, a fantastic guest coming to us from Costa Rica. And we're going to be talking to Jonathan England. And he wrote an inspiring book called If I Die Before I Wake. And that's what we're going to be talking about. What does that mean if I die before I wake? So a little bit about Jonathan England. He is an extraordinary transformational leader and community builder whose name is synonymous with inspiration, empowerment, and positive change. Jonathan is a true visionary who has devoted his life to helping people awaken to their full potential, tap into their deepest desires, and make the impossible possible. He is the author of "If I Die, Before I Wake," which offers empowering practices to people and a crucial shift in the way people can attract happiness, spiritual connection, and fulfillment. So it's my great pleasure to welcome Jonathan England to the show today. Uh, hola, Jonathan! <laughs> hey there! What's up? You for, yeah, Kura Vida! Thank
1: you for having me on the show. Kura Vida! Kura yeah.
0: vida. vida is, uh, is uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> campaign, strategy, and truth that's uh, um, all about Costa Rica, pure life, the purity of life, beautiful life, Pura Vida. Um, so Jonathan, thanks for being here, and uh, how's Costa Rica today?
1: Uh, it's nice. We just started a rainy season. It's, it's It was supposed to start a few weeks ago, but the El Nino came through, so it's we we just now started getting rain we will get rain every day pretty much for the next six months like a few hours a day so uh just started but yeah it's beautiful i got a a big event coming up here that i got 60 people coming in from all all over to a, a, a an event called the remember experience so i'm really excited about that just uh everything's going great
0: yeah that's beautiful um yeah, thank goodness for that rainy season brings life to that tropical rainforest world, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, we all, we love the rain. When I lived in the United States, I didn't love the rain, but here it's like, it's I don't know what, what it is, but it's just different here. You love when it's raining and uh, you just want to walk around in it and just enjoy
0: it. Yeah, it brings all that life to uh, the floor, right? Everything comes alive. Um, so... Well well thanks, I Sounds like you've got a you know a big thing happening down at your community. So um, I appreciate the time today. So so Jonathan, tell us a bit about your journey, your story. What brought you, um, in your life's unfoldment to, to to where you are now? What what was it what were some of those pivotal experiences and moments that changed your life?
1: Yes, yeah, so there's you know, definitely a series of them, but uh, my childhood was shaped. I had a brother who had – he was an older brother, and he had muscular dystrophy, which is a terminal disease, and I kind of was always shaped to be like a hero to for him and my family, just really kind of the one that was there holding all together as a little kid, you know, And but then when I was 12 and he was 16, he died, and that moment it's kind of like my, my identity I didn't know what I was or where I was and who I was, why I was. I felt like I had failed my, my role, my job, because my, you know, my, my brother died. And and I kind of thought, like, if I could, and it, this wasn't conscious, but it was subconscious, that I felt like if I could just save my brother, I could save my family, because my parents got divorced because they knew he was going to die, and it was just too much. There was already life was, you know, difficult enough for most people, but then adding that they know their their son is going to die it was really difficult for them so it was just overwhelmed they got divorced so anyway when I you know I'm when he actually did die it just kind of sh- it, it shattered it shattered me and that was the beginning of my journey into the darkness where it, from that moment I became a you know, it started I, I I'd only ever made straight A's my entire life never made a B until after that now I'm making D's and F's and then I start you know just going doing you know going down some dark paths and Wound up becoming a broke, ignorant, blackout, drunk, atheist, beach bum, and that led me all the way up until I uh, rear-ended a car at a stoplight when I was blackout drunk one night, and I went to jail. I got caught like the, there was a cop sitting at the stoplight where I where that happened at, and it, I tried to run, but you know, he was right there or she was right there, and and I went to jail. Thank God, and I sat in jail and I made a decision while I was in jail. But how it happened because I. I could no longer run. I'm I'm stuck with myself. I couldn't run. I couldn't hide. I couldn't numb, and I was just there with me and me. And I had to feel how much I how much uh, judgment I had on myself. And but I heard like I was talking to myself, sitting there in the jail cell, sobering up. And I heard like I was saying, "You could have killed somebody." I'm like, "Yes, I know it, but nobody died. Nobody got hurt, but they could have." And, and the voice was just like, no, listen, you could have killed somebody. I'm like, yes, I know, I know. I'm already beating myself enough. I don't need to hear it anymore. But listen, you could have killed somebody. But that's a, it's, there's a there's a message in here for you. I'm like, okay, what is it? And I started to hear, oh, I could have, I could have hurt somebody, which means another one of my decisions. If so, if one of my decisions could hurt somebody, then another one of my decisions could do what? Could help somebody. So if my decisions can hurt people or help people, then my decisions matter. And if my decisions matter, then maybe I matter. And if I matter, maybe life matters. And Maybe there is a meaning to all of this. And so I made a decision in that moment that never again would my actions hurt people. From this moment forward, every action that I take, every decision that I make, is going to be a positive impact on the planet. And that was what brought me, headed me back towards the light, that decision that I made. But, but the reason I was... A blackout, drunk, idiot, beach bum is because I had a belief that I didn't matter. I had failed love, so I don't, I don't even matter. And so, somebody who believes they don't matter, they do really stupid things, like get drunk, blackout, drunk, and go drive around in a car. So, suddenly, in jail, I was when I realized that I do matter because I could see I mattered on the duck do- on the negative side. So I could also equally matter on the positive side. So that that was the first step that that brought me out. That turned me. I didn't get me where i am but it it did turn me in a new direction to head to where i
0: am now that's so interesting had you ever heard uh, have you ever were you receiving any voices or communications before you you had that experience in jail
1: mm, no no i was pretty numb to everything like i uh, i didn't even know that i had feelings I, I was like a robot walking around. I was so trapped inside of my head. I was I was playing chess with life, like thinking, okay, if I do this, then that'll happen. If I do that, that'll happen. And I was just so worried about how what everybody thought about me. That's the, like, and I just couldn't be me. I could I was just trapped inside of my head, and I I didn't allow myself to feel anything. That's why I was getting drunk all the time, just to try to numb. And I was also an adrenaline junkie, so I was just trying to numb everything out because there was just so much pain in there. When my brother died, I was holding his hand, and I never cried. It took. It wasn't until probably eight years ago that I even ever cried about it. So, um, yeah, I was completely closed off, completely walled off, completely numb, completely unconscious, and had no clue until sitting in jail. And then that's when I could start to – I guess that's when the, the separation between me and my ego began, where I could actually start to, like, hear my thoughts or, you know, hear the thoughts, not even claiming them as mine. And so the separation started to occur where now I could just I was starting to observe them. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but that that was the beginning of it.
0: Well, it's a real, you know, pivotal moment on your life's journey, I would say your soul's journey. How old were you when that happened in jail?
1: Uh, I think I was twenty five. I'm pretty sure. Oh. It was either 24 or twenty five.
0: Well, yeah, best thing, right? Just, you don't even want to think about what would have happened <laughs> if you didn't <laughs> rearrange it or sent to jail and had that epiphany, right, in this yeah, awakening time.
1: Yeah, because well, January 1st at twelve fifteen, fifteen 15, minutes after New Year's, uh, that same year, I had already gotten I, – I got a DUI. That, <laughs> I got taken to jail, and I didn't get my lesson, so – there's a thing I always say when you know it's time to get your lesson. When it's time to move off of that path. So I, yeah, I guess I was hearing I was hearing something, but I, but I wasn't relating it to anything. I was numbing myself to it. But I I got a DUI. went to jail and didn't get the lesson. So the message messenger starts off with a feather stroke. If you don't get the feather stroke, then it's the nudge. If you don't get the nudge, then it's the shove. If you don't get the shove, then it's the cosmic two by 4 So I took a couple of cosmic two by fours before I finally. <laughs> I turned around. and It slapped some sense into me. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. What? What do you <laughs> gotta say to me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, um, so there you were, 25, and you, you, you had this profound realization about how to live your life, the choices that you needed to make, and and what happened from there.
1: And so I didn't learn how it to, to live my life. I just learned why to live my life. And my why was I was going to be here to make a positive impact on the planet. That So I got a why, but now I'm like, so then the next question, well, well how do I do that? And so ask and you shall receive. Um, so I said how. And I'm like, well, maybe, you know what, maybe if I could just, like, build, you know, create a family and just and build a life uh, that and give them a great life. Maybe that would give meaning to my life if I could just start with a family. And so, well, well, what do I do that? What do I need to do in order to do that? Well, I probably need to make some money since I'm a broke, ignorant, blackout, drunk, atheist, beach bum right now. It like, just doesn't seem like I'll be able to build a family like this. So maybe I need to, you know, get my stuff, together, get my act together, and, and and become successful in some way. Like, well, how am I going to do that? And so I was flipping through channels one night, and there's a, an infomercial came on. It was a little Italian guy named Dean Graziosi, and he says. Have you ever in your adult life felt like you should be further along than you are right now? I'm like, yes, I sure have. And he's like, well, if I if I could show you this one thing that would change your life forever, would you want this thing? I'm like, yes, I want that thing. He's like, all right, well, give me all your money. I'm like, well, no, I don't have any money. <laughs> he didn't actually say give me all your money on the on the infomercial, but that once I made the phone call, then that's when they they said give me all your money, they was ten dollars that I you know I didn't have because uh, he was selling me no money no credit real estate investing i'm like well i qualify because i don't have any money i don't have any credit so there's no way i can buy the thing i give me the, give me the course i'll go make the 10 grand and pay you but i didn't understand back then that that's backwards so it, it the reason that we, think we can't do it is the reason that we must do it it's the belief that's that's making us not not have the thing that it is that we think that we need so um anyway i wound up uh, coming up with i made the decision and then I came up with, because it's never a lack of resources, only ever a lack of resourcefulness. So I became resourceful. I found the funds. I took the course. And then within my first 18 months, I'd made 400 grand. Within two years, I built a multi-million dollar empire. Uh, in 2012, I became Dean's number one student. And he's the lar- he's the biggest uh, real estate investment trainer on the planet. He doesn't really teach that anymore, but he was back then. and uh, and so i was a number one student in 2012 we started partnering on deals and things so that was the beginning of my journey like if in my book is is about these five levels of consciousness or five states of conscious orientation so what i've just described to you was my level 1 which was broke ignorant, blackout drunk atheist beach bum and then my level 2 where i became successful real estate investor so that that's the first levels and i'm and it, it, when you read the book there's Three parts to it: the path, the proof, and the process. The path is the roadmap. The proof, the second part, is is my journey through the, the the five levels. So you can kind of see my story and see yourself in my story. And then the third part is the process, which are basically the tools, the recipes for transcending each level. So, so that was the next step. I, I you know I, I became very successful, made a lot of money, uh, and then I started investing because I realized, well, hold on this worked. When I found somebody who had results that I wanted and then I paid for the recipe and then I followed the recipe, I actually got the fruits. I actually got the results. So I'm going to keep doing that. And I wound up, you know, got, before I was addicted to, you know, drugs and alcohol. And now all of a sudden I was addicted to personal development and I wound up, you know, investing over half a million dollars in personal development over the next few years and really... <laughs> I'm a, I'm an all-in kind of guy. When I was blackout drunk every night, it's because I'm all in. So <laughs> I was real estate investing. I'm all, in. you know, when I'm personal, development, all in. So anyway, that, that uh that that describes my level two. I guess how all that happened.
0: Wow. Well, so um, uh, you know, your so your your journey took you from having nothing and. And feeling nothing to this journey of learning how you can create abundance in your life. And with that abundance, then you had the realization you, you need to do that inner work, right? I mean, just if you spent a half a million dollars on personal development, you, you, you either did a lot of courses or you went to some very expensive ones, right? It was and what happened? You, you did all that. Okay. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead, John.
1: It, it, it was both. Uh, I went to a lot, and some of them were very expensive. But uh, but the reason I was doing that is because I still couldn't feel, and I didn't know that's what this, I didn't know that's what I was looking for. I didn't know that I was looking. I was. I had no clue. I was trying. To, I was trying to go in. But what was happening is the more successful I got, the more money that I made, and because I I had a my a, my girlfriend at the time. And then she had uh, teenage twin boys, and then I had moved my mom in the house. So I bought this really big, nice house, and I moved my mom in there, and we all, we all moved in there together. Because again, my goal was to make my family happy. Because I thought if I could, that would give me meaning. That would give me a purpose. If I could just make my family happy, then I could be happy. Um, but I was completely numb to everything on the inside, and I thought, like, I just kept shaping myself adjusting myself in order to try to figure out who I ha- who I needed to be in order to make them happy. And that was my 100% goal. And again, the more I gave my family everything that they wanted, the more miserable they got. I'm like, I just don't understand. Like, this is freaking me out here. This is completely backwards. The harder I try, the worse it gets. The more I do right, the more wrong everything is. And it got to the point where my... Girlfriend was taking twenty oxycot in a day. My the twin boys were they were on drugs, punching each other in the face, punching holes in the walls. My mom was on hospice, given less than a month to live. And if that wasn't enough, then um, I had one last shot because what I was doing is trying to play the hero. I, I was pl- trying to be the savior, and I didn't, you know, I didn't know this was happening, but I really did believe that I had their happiness, like all my family. I was like, I can make them happy. I, I really believed it. And they believed it, too, but obviously it was never going to work because you can't make someone else happy. That's It's an inside job. and But I didn't realize that it was an inside job for me, too. I thought it was an outside job. If I just make them happy, then I can be happy. And they were just thinking, hey, maybe I can make them happy, but we were all wrong. Um, but the last-ditch effort, when all of this stuff's happening, I my, my girlfriend at the time, she had younger brothers that she had – had pretty much raised because she didn't have a dad and her mom was an alcoholic so she was raising her brothers and they both got addicted to drugs and one of them called and said hey John I just I just got out of jail I I was addicted to crack I was stealing stuff so I could pay pay for crack and I went to jail but now I'm off of crack. I'm completely good to go with that, but I've burned all my bridges, and I just need a hand up. Can you help me out? And so I'm like, put my cape on, one last effort, like everything's going wrong, but maybe this is it. Maybe if I can just help her brother, my girlfriend's brother, maybe this will make her happy. So come on in. Yes, of course I can help Well, within two weeks, he had stolen my credit cards, charged up thousands of dollars on it, stole all of my tools for my in my uh, my uh, real estate fix and flip business stole my tools, stole my bicycle, stole my truck and stole her car all in just a couple of weeks while my mom's dying. And I'm like, uh, what, what in the heck? <laughs> and, and finally for, for the first time, and I I, yeah, I can laugh about it now too. I, I love that you're laughing about it. It's great that you're laughing. Cause I laugh about it and I, I it's, it's actually super funny to me <laughs> To see that like what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking, but so but this for the first time in my life, I laid down my head and said I failed. I'm a failure, and because I gave everything, I gave my whole heart, my whole soul. I gave everything I've got to give, and it's not enough. And there's nothing more. There's nothing left in me. And when I laid down my head and said I failed, I'm a failure. It's like this weight just all of a sudden lifts off my shoulders. I'm like, what was that? What just happened? And what I realized happened that moment is that everything that I thought that I had to be died because I couldn't be it. I gave up everything to be it, and it and I couldn't. It was impossible. So that false identity that I was trying to live into, it died. And suddenly I'm like, well, if I'm not that, then what am I? Who am I? And this was how I entered into level three. So level one is called disoriented, where you don't have any direction. You don't know who who you are, where you are, why you are. And it's like this victim mentality where it's like, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm doing the best that I can, but I got dealt a crappy hand, and I'm just trying to play it the best I can. That's what level one is all about. Level two is, you know, I'm the dealer. I can decide what I – what. I, I just got to make the decision, and I got to set the goals, and no matter what, it's going to happen. And so level one is disoriented. Level two is goal-oriented, but level three is called journey-oriented. This is where you realize there is no ha- path to happiness. Happiness is the path. And and it's realizing that every all you need everything that you've been searching for it's been in you the whole time but you got to go in, not out. And so that was that was my journey into level three. That's how that happened. <laughs> and that was when the real awakening actually occurred. Once I hit level three, once I was no longer pinned inside of a false identity, I was free from it and I merged with everything for all eternity, because all the boxes, all the all the answers were gone. And I was I was living inside of just the the nothingness and everythingness at the same time. There was no more borders between me and everything. It was just all one, and uh, that's when I was found.
0: You know, it's such a story of the hero's journey, isn't it? You, you know, it's, which we all take. We we are all on this hero's journey of going through the darkness and feeling lost and unworthy, and um, you know, self. Self, self-hatred at times and, um, and and how all that gets projected out into the world. And then, you know, and, and, and then the journey that you've been describing. So you go from that place of really self-hatred or you abuse yourself. And then you think, well, it's accumulating all the security. And that gives you a sense of who you are and, and importance and significance. And, you know, the the ego really feels like it. You know, it's the man, right? And then that gets taken away because that's not the answer either. Then you have to really begin the serious awakening of your soul.
1: Yeah. And I kind of look at it like uh, uh, the level one is like you've got this deflated balloon Level two, you blow the balloon up, and that's your ego. So now it's all – got the big head. It's all blown up and like, Ha, oh, look how big I am. But then pride cometh before a fall, and then the thing gets
0: popped. Mm-hmm.
1: And then once it gets popped, that's your ego getting – I don't – you can't actually pop your ego in level one when you're playing victim. So level one, you live in the past, which creates depression because you're just thinking about, oh, the ba- back back in the day, you're always – you know, there's something – either what was wrong with the past or what was good about the past, but either way, it's, you know – Either way, there's, there's no hope for the future. The level two is all about the future, which creates anxiety because you don't know what's going to happen. But then level three, you're in the present moment. But uh, the only way to get into the present moment is because is we leave what is real in the pursuit of what appears to be. So you've got to stop running away from, from what it is that, that you're running. You think that you're running towards something, but people are most of all of their lives, they, they're trying to do things for their worthiness. If I can just do this, then that will make me worthy. If I can do that, I can be worthy. And they, they've got these different blueprints of what they think is going to have to happen for them to finally feel worthy. But they're they're coming from a false presumption that they're not worthy already. So once this this uh, this ego gets popped and you're no longer this separate self that's separate from love, you're one with love. There is there's no spot that love is not. It's in you and around you and through you and as you, and it is you. Uh, once that's happened, then what you'll start to notice – so this is – now I'm about to share it, going into level four – is then you start to kind of look around. You, you start to move back into the, the perspective through the lens of the separate self, only you know you're not separate at this point. You're still holding the plate. You know everything that you need is in you now, and you can see everyone around you that is part of you, and you see through their ego into the truth of who they are. And it's like you're looking at them, and you realize – they're inside of a cage that you just escaped from. Now, you can see the cage, and you know it's a self-imposed prison and the handle's on the inside, but they don't know that. So you start – in level four, it's called value-oriented, where now you start to – it's just – you're just overflowing the love. You're overflowing the truth that, that, that you already have, and you're sharing it with the rest of you, which is all the world out there, all, all, all the others, uh, which is just you out there, the fragmented aspects of you that are turning that are to, to remember. Um that they're all members of this one body of love. So, in so level four...
0: So wait, Jonathan, wait, I have a question. So okay. when you, when, 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 you know, your car got, your truck got stolen, your tools got stolen, your credit card got stolen, was there actually an epiphany moment when that your consciousness had this awakening?
1: It was it was when I finally just said I failed. I'm a failure, and um, because I'd never done that my whole life. The reason being is because I, I, I thought that I was loved for what I do. I thought that I was supposed to be this hero that save people, and a hero can't fail. If a hero fails, they're not a hero. And my identity was based around being this hero, and so in this moment when my girlfriend's on oxy, got, taking 20 oxy got a day, my Mom's dying. She's literally on hospice. The hospice nurse nurses looked me in the eye and said, she's going to be dead in two weeks. You better prepare. By the way, my mom's not dead now. She's thriving. She's in better health than she's been in 20 years. Mm-hmm. She actually lives here in Costa mm-hmm. Rica with me in, in, in the village. But, there, you know, that's, a, that's another part of the journey that uh, came after my awakening. That didn't come her, – her healing came after my awakening. But, the, again, the awakening occurred when I finally said I failed, and it was like this surrender moment and because it, it was there was it was an instant it's an instantaneous thing the epiphany is like i'm not the one that's loved but i can't do all this i can't be the hero i can't be the savior i already tried and so when i i i gave up it, it's like sometimes we fall into heaven through the floor of hell i fell through the floor of hell and i'm like oh wow and it was because all suffering comes from resisting what is and the only thing it is is love mm-hmm. so we put conditions mm-hmm. upon it We withheld love from ourselves until we fulfill the conditions that we made up on what has to happen until, before we're worthy. So everything that had to happen before I let myself believe that I was worthy of love, it all died. So now I was, un- I was in unconditional love. I was held in the arms of formless love. Uh, mm-hmm. it, when that, when that fa- it, But it was the admitting of the failure. It was the, the admitting to defeat. It was, a, it was a complete surrender. It was a complete uh, letting go and uh and then i when i let go i i let go i was let go of by the ego when i let go of trying to control mm-hmm. trying to be something the ego let go of me it all happened at the same time mm-hmm. so i was free
0: mm-hmm. i didn't now,
1: know what, what, I, was, a, what a, I didn't what know why it, i would go ahead
0: well i was just gonna say you know that was a moment when i uh, i'm sure it was it was like it was like your life i you would say it's a reborn moment right you were reborn because it, all yeah. of a sudden everything is different everything is different you see life in a totally different way a different perspective everything is changed from that moment
1: absolutely everything was different but it wasn't a reborn yet it was a death the the resurrection occurred that resurrection begins in level 4 So I didn't. Once that death happened, like I'm like, well, I'm not that. I'm not the thing that I thought that I had to be. I'm not the identity that I've been giving up everything to be. And I didn't leave any meat on them bones. I gave everything that I had to become everything that I thought that I was supposed to be. So I was because I was all in. That's why I was able to completely let it go 100%. I'm not from that moment forward. I haven't been dangling the thing behind me like. Maybe I should have just tried a little bit harder. If I would have just done this, I would have just there. So there's no regret in it because I gave it all, and so it died mm-hmm. complete, and and I was com- completely free of it. So it was a complete death, and then the level four is when the resurrection began. I started to because when I went into complete death, I, it was I, I I left the form. I was just in the formless love, but then level four is when I started to enter back into form, and now I'm. I started to be shaped in the unique perspective, or the unique aspect of love in form. Previous, I was a slave to the ego, but now I was a servant of love. Uh, be, either way, you're being, you're, you're always being used. You can't. There's nothing you can do about that. But the question is, are you going to be used by fear, or are you going to be used by love? And if you're still thinking that you have to do something to be worthy of love, then you're going to be always used by the fear that you're not enough. But once that fear of not enough dies, then you can start to be directed and shaped by love and then you'll you'll take your unique shape just like you know the apple tree it's it's an it's an apple tree and it makes apples it can't make anything other than apples pear tree it makes pears but what we do in level 1 and level 2 is we'll be an apple tree looking over the pear tree being like well everybody's eating the pears and they all like the pears and they don't like me so I got to figure out how to make pears but it was just you know or, or maybe you're you're not even making the apples, and it's making pears. I got to figure out how to make pears. But it, the thing is, it wasn't your season yet. And you got and you're trying to figure out how to. You give up your purpose for approval, and so that's when like the level three is when all that dies. Everything that you think you you should be, you're supposed to be, dies, and and then you can see clearly for the first time. The veil is removed. The veil between you and the love that you've been craving is is removed, and now you're at one. You're one with it.
0: Yeah, got it. Okay, uh, okay. So then what? So then you, so then you had to learn to find love, become love, open your heart.
1: Well, well so at this point, I, there was no more learning, there was no more trying, there was no more anything. I just, I just was. So that's level three is journey oriented. So it's just you realize it's like it's it's not about in level three again. The truth changes on each level of consciousness. The thing that got you into level two is going to is going to keep you from level three. Like in level one, you're trapped in level one because you're, you're always caring what other people think. And if you're caring what everybody thinks, you are going to do what everybody else does, which means you're going to get What everybody else is getting and what everybody else is getting right now is suffering. Uh, you know, people are lost in lies and illusions and don't even know it. They're being fake. And so you'll have to be fake too, in order to continue interacting with all those people. If, if your goal is to make them like you, which is impossible because they don't like themselves. Because they don't know who they are, so um, so level two. What gets you out of level one is you set a goal and you get clear. It's clarity and focus, and it's like, not thy will but mine be done, and nothing's going to stop me from this the, from this goal. And then, but what level three? The thing that got you into level, got you out of level one to end into level two is going to sabotage you in level three because in level three you have to get rid of clarity and focus. Like you like you you release all attachment to any outcome and you just be one hundred percent present with the presence that this moment brings. You have no desire to alter anything, to control anything, to do anything. You're just there with everything, as everything, recognizing it, appreciating it, and taking it all in. You know, and, and when I was in level three, I mean I got to the point where I was like again, I'd built a multi million dollar empire and I w- in level three I went back to just full homeless. <laughs> I literally not, all my homes, I either gave them away or, and I'm, I was, I remember I was walking around like I homeless and like so happy. I was like, I'm just walking around looking at the trees. I didn't have, I lost my car. I lost, I lost everything. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. look, walking around at the trees, the happiest I've ever been. And I wasn't doing anything. I was just being, and, um, and it was, you know, it was really, but so, so I was in the formlessness, but then I, Again, level four is I started entering back into the world. And now that I had found what I had been looking for, I started sharing it with others. And from that sharing with others that – like I started to give form to the formless that I felt because I'd found the kingdom. It was in me. And now that I was in the kingdom, it was level four. It's time to bring the kingdom to the world, to give it, to share it with others. And so in order to share it, you have to bring from the inspiration – in formation, You have to you know, form it up, form the inspiration, put it in a package so someone can receive it. So that's what I started doing in level four is putting it in packages and delivering it. And that's when I started building uh, like my, the earth waking movement. Uh, it was beginning, uh, but actually, so my mom, my, I said earlier, my mom was on hospice, given less than a month to live, but now she didn't just, she didn't die. She's actually in better health than she's been in 20 years. But, she was actually my first, I guess, student. I guess is what you would call her, um, and it. I started to, because after I'd done all this personal development, all this, this. I, I really could see how the world operates, and there was this, you know, the the insights started to come out of me at this point, and it was like. I I released my attachment to my mom dying, but to not dying. I I, I didn't. I had to get to be okay with my mom dying, That's a, which happened automatically when I entered in level three. I was, I was fine. Um, it was okay if she died. I didn't have an attachment to any outcome. And I also knew at that point how this world operates, which your thoughts lead to your emotions, lead to your actions, lead to your results. If you, your results, you'll know them by their fruits. The fruits that showing up, show, are showing up in your life are coming from the seeds that you're sowing and your thoughts are your seeds. Your mind is your garden, the world, the reality that you're experiencing are your fruits. And I already, I already knew that I I got that. And so I went to mom and I'm like, all right, Hey mom, you, I just want to let you know that uh, these fruits you're dying right now. They're your fruits, which means in your mind, you're sowing seeds of sickness. You believe there's beliefs that you have that, that are producing these fruits, you're responsible for this reality, and that was the first time my mom ever got angry at me. you said you are you blaming me for this you but bl- you saying it's my fault I'm dying I'm like, no, I didn't say it's your fault. I'm saying that you're responsible completely different thing it's a, it's not a fault because there's nothing wrong if, if everything's okay, and you are responsible you're for for creating this experience, and um I, it's like a she. She got angry at me, and but I had to be okay with her get angry at me because what was happening before? Okay, this is a really this is one of this. This is one of those insights. Is if you get what I, if you if you can see yourself in my story and you get what I'm about to say, it it will alter your every aspect of your reality. So the hmm. reason you want to know why my family was getting worse, the the harder I tried, the more I did, the worse they got. My like, I gave everybody everything. We're going on vacations. Uh, like, every every month, nobody has to work. Everybody's got everything that they want. Yet, for some reason, my girlfriend's getting, her life's getting worse. My mom's dying. The boy's life, everybody's life is getting worse. You want to know why that was happening? Here's why. Mm-hmm. Because they all thought that I was their hero. And I thought that I was there to save them. And we both believed that. But the thing is, I couldn't save them. But what I was doing was reinforcing the illusion that their problems existed in the first place. Because what they were doing, my mom was dying for my love. And now she didn't know that. But what was happening, because all these – my family, they were all my victims. I was a hero. They were my victims. And so
0: mm-hmm.
1: when – if if a victim – is like they think that they get their how, what makes them worthy of love is if they get saved from their problem. So if they got a big problem and somebody saves them, oh, you do love me after all because look, you saved me from my problem. That's how they know they're loved, is if they if they get saved from a problem. A hero, how they know they're loved is if they save somebody from the problem, and the person's like, "Oh my god, you're so amazing. Thank you so much for saving me from my problem." And you're like, "Ah, so you get this big hit. Like, wow, look, I am worthy of love." And it's like but it's coming from the outside in, which it's a drug, and the time you get a, a hit, then it's going to wear off, and then you're going to have to get a bigger hit. So what kept happening is my family had to keep giving, getting bigger and bigger problems for me to save them from so I could have – so they could get a bigger hit because <laughs> they got saved from a bigger problem to see, look, I am worthy of love, and it wears off. Oh, i got to have a bigger problem so I can – The the amount of love that I felt previously is not enough anymore. I need a bigger hit. So they had to have a bigger problem to get saved from, and they started to go to the next level, which they started competing with each other on whose hero I was. Now, again, none of them were doing it consciously, but subconsciously. If there's a a woman uh, getting her purse snatched and another person falling off a building about to die, and the hero can only save one, who are they going to save? The one falling off the building about to die. So what they, what my family was doing, were getting bigger and bigger problems to fight over whose hero I was, because that's how they thought that they were worthy of love is if I would save them. So it was a, it's wild. I'm telling you, our subconscious, our egos, are nuts though, and we can't even see it happening. So uh, anyway, letting letting go of the need to save my mom, because because then I could have, once I was no longer attached to the outcome and I didn't need to save her anymore, I could actually see her greatness. Before, I could, I could only see my greatness. But now, and, and, it, and it wasn't true greatness. It was a it was a, a loser illusion of greatness. It was my ego was great, and I was calling that great when I kept trying to save her. But now I could just let it go, and I could see how powerful she was. She's a child of God, too. She's got full, like everything, like the whole creator power is inside of her as well. And I started to acknowledge that inside of her. She didn't like it at first. Because her whole life she'd been playing victim, and now I'm saying, no, you're not a victim. She's like, yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And she wasn't saying, yes, I'm a victim, but that's the energy. Right? And so I'm like, no, you're not. And so that dance of and bring, bringing her back to her awareness of the power that resided within her the entire time, she came to life. And that was, like, really the birth of the, uh, the Earth Waking Movement. That's how it really began. Um, because I teach uh, in the five levels, each one of them also has a lesson. Level one is health, which is taking responsibility for your body. Level two is wealth, taking responsibility for your external environment. Level three is happiness, taking responsibility for your internal environment. Level four is relationships, taking responsibility for your connection and contribution to others. And level five is spiritual connection, taking responsibility for your connection to the infinite. And so. I got the first recipe, which was the level one recipe, working with mom. She was my first, I guess, student uh, that I developed the level one recipe with, which was health. And she became back aware of her her power around her body, and she came back to life. And so then, you know, went on. Then I built – I started teaching people wealth, which is uh, how to create a lot of wealth, like how to set a goal and how to follow a a recipe to – to achieve that goal really fast, and you know, I, I was teaching people how people just right, right out of out of nowhere that like didn't have a bank account, like not even a bank account, not even knowing how to write a check, being making ten twenty thousand twenty five thousand dollars a month in their first thirty days. So then I started mastering that, teaching people that, and then and then it just kept developing as I went along to so then happiness and so forth.
0: Wow, Jonathan, what an amazing. Journey you have been on, and and uh, you know going through all those aspects of the self until you arrived at your true spiritual connection, and and now in service to others, you know, which is our journey. I mean, that is a hero's journey, isn't it? It's you, you have an amazing story, <laughs> which is which which is also interesting because you have created a formula out of your journey and out of your understanding that you then can share and impart and guide others with
1: yeah i always say uh if you don't want your pain to be in vain turn your mess into a message uh because there's <laughs> o- there's only one way to learn and it's through failure but the caveat is it doesn't have to be your failure you can learn through somebody else's so i found the keys to the kingdom but i found them in hell and I'm like hey i got the keys right here. Like if you don't have to. You don't have to go to hell to get them yourself. I here there they are. You have to deliver them to. Now that doesn't mean people won't say, no, I, I'm gonna go. I wanna go. I wanna go find them myself. That's fine. You know that's okay. And, I'm, and that was also part of the journey. Being okay with people going to hell to get the keys by themselves. and like, hey, I already got them. Why are you going to hell? Here you go. Don't, you don't have to do that. And that was it for a little while. That was difficult for me to deal with. Like, why would you do that? No, no. But then I was like, oh, that's just part of the journey. That's like, some people that is yeah. their journey. They don't. Yeah. They, they haven't gone deep enough in the darkness. They haven't found. They haven't gone far enough to learn what love isn't. To 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 realize they don't want that. And then because you can't. You, uh, you know, an egg broken from the outside in is death, but from the inside out is life. And a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. So they have to decide it from the inside out. And most of the time, people don't do that until it gets dark enough. And once it gets dark yeah. enough, they're like, all right, now I want what you got. I'm like, okay, cool, here you go. So I stopped. It, it took a while for me to stop working with people who needed what I have and only to work with people who want what I have. So now I only, it, it, it if, if, one point I was like, I'm here to help everybody that needs me. I'm like, damn, everybody needs me. I'm looking I'm like, holy shit, you need this So uh, but then finally I got to the point of realizing no, they they don't that some people need need a journey. Some people don't need the they don't need answers yet. They need to go get stuck in some more questions. And so now I only work with people who love the truth that want help living the truth and that's it. And it's really great, really great experience. Uh, <laughs> Uh, working with people who love the truth and live the truth. And I see it's, it, you know,
0: oh, go ahead. I, I wanted to ask you, Jonathan, before we, I, I, there's an important, you know, important question I wanted to ask you, your thoughts on. Um, what is your perception of what is happening now in this moment in, in our evolutionary journey? What's, What's your sense of things? What's uh, what's the you know the greater purpose? Because the the world is in great turmoil and people are in great turmoil and anxiety as we see so many things changing um, and chaos, more chaotic times. What what's you know how, how do you interpret this and how do you guide and inspire other people through these times?
1: So. Uh... I didn't like the answer to this question. I got the answer to this question a while back and I I didn't like it at first in the same time that I didn't like watching people that, Hey, look, I got the keys. Don't go there. Don't go down into hell. I got the keys. You don't need to do that. Uh, When I resisted that, I didn't like this answer. Um, But well, there's two parts to it. First part is every adversity carries with it the seed of an equal or greater opportunity. So the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. So as long as you realize that, because that, all things work for good for those who believe. For those who believe what? That all things work for good. If you don't believe that, if you believe that, oh, poor me, look, there it is again. I've just got bad luck. Well, you know, as, as a man think it, so he is. Uh, so uh, it appears without, though it is within. Whatever it is that you're believing, that's what you're receiving. So now, that being said, there's a massive adversity going on in the world. And it's just getting warmed up right now. It ain't even started yet. You know, we're about to have a global depression beyond anything this world's ever seen. Great Depression don't have nothing on what you know what we're stepping into. You got AI waking up that's like already telling everybody that's gonna it's gonna destroy humanity and it's it's inevitable. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Just you know all kind of wild stuff. You got the, everybody's got their finger on nuclear bombs right now. I don't make me push it. you'll make me push it and they're all fighting over this. Like you know at the precipice of the worst case scenario on all every, from every angle and you know it's like the lotus flower it it's born out of the poo so this is the same thing now uh what's happening it was I wrote it in my book now when I wrote, when the I wrote the book it was written through me it came through me I was on a 40 day fast and I wrote it in 2 weeks It just came out exactly the way it is is exactly how it came out. But there was one point because my only job is to stay out of the way and just let it come through, let love speak. And there was one point in that book where I stopped the flow and I said, whoa, 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 I'm not writing that. And so I was an evangelist atheist for like 20 years, like meaning it was my job to convince people God wasn't real. And one of the reasons was because of the idea of hell. And I'm like, no, there cannot be – it a God and hell at the same time. It's one or the other. And, you know, so the thing that came through in the book, and in that book, it came through, uh, I wrote it like, I think like six or seven years ago now or something. Wait, eight? No. Was, I don't even remember. I think it was like seven or seven, six or seven years ago. But it was talking about right now. This point, it says, now, in these five levels of consciousness, each individual goes to the five levels, but so does the collective. Now, not everybody makes it. Not everybody makes it that level one, but the collective is now moving into level three, and that has to happen. All the people that are going to be, exist on Earth will be existing level three and above, and because that's where humanity is going. We're evolving, uh, and or we're remembering. But the, it talked about in the book. It talked about these two trains, and on one train, the people are waking up. They're getting more connected with themselves, more connected with each other, more connected with nature. They're moving into unconditional love. On the other train, the people are getting more disconnected, more disconnected from themselves, more disconnected from nature, more disconnected from each other, and they're moving into unconditional fear, like just afraid of everything. They're you know. Uh, and so, and when the when this was coming through me, it, it when I was writing the book, and I said it, it said. These trains are splitting, and people are going to have to pick their path. They're going to have to pick which train they're on because they've been sitting the fence. You could bounce back. You could be in love one minute and then fear the next minute, you know, and kind of or just be a gray area. You don't even really know where you are. Then you can sit the fence. But people are picking their trains, and at some point those trains are getting further and further away. At some point, you're not even going to be able to see the other train. So what's happening is the world is splitting. There's a heaven on earth being birthed and there's a hell on earth being birthed. And if you're not, it, it, you you face it within or without, by chance or by choice. And if you're not, and what is it that you're facing? Your fears, your lies, your illusions, your judgments. And if you are not cho- facing, your, facing it within, all of your judgments, your fears, if you're not preemptively finding them, then you're gonna be forced to from the outside and that's gonna be pure hell on earth. So the majority is heading to hell on earth right now. There's a minority that have already, ta- you know, choosing, take, choosing in by choice and doing the work, finding their fears before their fear find, fears find them and uh, letting that stuff go. So that's what's being birthed right now, heaven on earth and hell on earth. It's a, the full full unconditional love and full unconditional fear experience. So uh, if anybody's hearing my voice right now, you are on the love train. This, uh, now, just let you know, you're on the love train, but you might be holding on to someone on the fear train and you can feel your arm getting ripped off and you're going to have mm-hmm. to let them go. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise you're going to get ripped out of the train. You have to let them go. And, it, and that's part of what I was talking about earlier is that that's their journey. Now, the thing is both of these trains end up in the same place. See, at the end of this story, we all wake up at home in heaven realizing we actually never even left, but mm-hmm. one train is going to wake up from a happy dream. We're going, we're going straight to heaven. The other train, they're gonna, they're taking a detour through hell. They're gonna be waking up from a nightmare, but they're still gonna wake up, but they're just waking up from a nightmare. So, that's what's happening in the world. It's, it's the paths are being chosen, and people are picking their path. Am I gonna just go ahead and wake up from the happy dream, or am I gonna go deeper into hell and uh, be shocked by such a nightmare that I, it just shocks me into and it. It wakes me up? So, you know, that's where we are. <laughs> And it's all a really.
0: that I I just want to say that's a really profound way to um, help people understand that there's like there there is a moment in 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 this evolution of consciousness when the energies are available for this awakening, right? To reconnect to the to we are part of the source, we are the source, we we have potential to create a reality. We're loved, we're part of everything. Or the, those that still operate out of the fear and anxiety, and fear of death really is what's motivating so many people and um, hoarding and you know disconnection. But we have choices to make because never before have we been at this moment where we can truly um, uh, have an experience of connecting to our our spiritual essence, right? And um, that seems to be I, – I really I can really relate to what you're saying. There's an awakening happening for those that are choosing to remember who they really are and why they're here.
1: Yeah, and for, and for the ones that aren't choosing in, uh, there's a phrase that I, I say, you can't save someone from their own sovereignty. God could, but he won't. We can't, but we try. Stop trying, mm-hmm. because love doesn't take prisoners. If you love something, set it free, and uh, mm-hmm. that's that's what love does. It, it's arms wide open. You can come and go as you please. So, that's uh, something I definitely. Uh, one of my big mess of messages. That was the hardest thing in the world for me to do, was to let mm-hmm. go and let go and let love. And uh, I, I'm not anybody's hero. I'm not anybody's savior. Everyone is sovereign. They make their own choices. They make their own decisions. They create their own experiences. And my business, my, my only business is let me check. What am I doing? Where where am I going? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And I just work on me. And then I just share. You know, here here's here's what I'm doing. Here's what it's producing. If you like the fruit that this is producing, then here's how I did it. If you don't care about what this what fruit I'm producing right now, then you don't care about what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. It's everybody pick yeah. your path. Enjoy or don't pick your path. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. You you've chosen to conform to the patterns of of, of the collective uh, rather than uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, which uh, you just you know follow the herd and the you know the herd again. But the only thing is, the herd's going to slaughter. But the only thing that's getting slaughtered is what they're not. It's yes. who they are can't be slaughtered because nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Here in lies the peace of God, from the course of course the miracles. Um, meaning that uh, if it only exists in time, it doesn't actually exist. If it ain't gonna be here a billion years from now, then it doesn't even exist. It's it's right. if it's if it's not eternal, if it's forever, it ain't true.
0: Jonathan, so that's that's such a good point to end on because you've come to the end, but I want people to know that your book If I Die Before I Wake is where you channel this great wisdom and information. People can access that. And also go to Jonathan's website, which is jonathanearthwaking.com. That's jonathanearthwaking.com. I know you have a community that you're creating um, of conscious beings in Costa Rica. People can learn more about your community, about your programs. Definitely pick up a copy of If I Die Before I Wake because Jonathan, you've been on an amazing journey. It's been so inspirational to have you on the show and to share your experience and your wisdom with all of us, and um, I'm very grateful for everything you've been through, so you've been able to share such light and love on the show today. Thank you so much. You're welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And to everyone listening, thank you again for being part of this um, amazing journey we are all on, and And the Health Code is here to keep you inspired and uh, help you to choose the right train. (laughs) So until next week, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman. You've been listening to my conversation with John England. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now.